0: We are reading uh, in the Scriptures of the New Testament from John, chapter 10. Uh, John chapter 10. If you're reading or are using the Church Bible, uh, it will you will find it on page 1076. John chapter 10, and we commence our reading at verse 1. John chapter 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hard hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hard hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. At These words the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He is a demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered round him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me. Is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Amen we're turning this morning for our reflection on God's word to Psalm 23, Uh, Psalm 23, it is undoubtedly the best known and the best loved of all 150 of the Psalms. It is sung at weddings, it is sung at funerals, it is sung on occasions of great joy, and on occasions of great sorrow. And recently my mind has been taken to this psalm again, in fact, over the past couple of years it's been a psalm that I have prayed into my life almost every day of my life. But then recently... um, I was um, using this Sam uh, in my pastoral visits uh, to the late mother of Billy Hamilton. She died just over two weeks ago and I had planned to visit her again on the day she died. But that was not to be as she died around 7.30am uh, on the 2nd of July. The last time I saw Alice was the previous Monday and um, getting ready to go to make that visit uh, I decided that over the coming weeks I would read Psalm 23 with her a verse at a time I never got beyond verse one the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want or as it is more literally I shall not lack. Alice, of course, was a woman who had not been at church for many years, but in recent weeks during her illness, she had asked specifically that I would visit her in the hospice in North Belfast. Only eternity will tell where Alice is today. But as I reflect upon the ministry to her over recent weeks uh, and the fact that these were the last words that I read to her there are no more wonderful words of scripture to leave with a person who unknown to us is going to die before we see them again the Lord is my shepherd I shall not lack This is a precious truth to all who know God in Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. The shepherd that we read of in John chapter 10, who laid down his life for our sins and took his life up again for our justification that we might be declared righteous in the sight of God. So the shepherd takes away our sin and the shepherd gives us a standing before God that causes God to look upon us and to delight in us as he does in his own eternal perfect son. What a great shepherd the Lord Jesus is and so it is absolutely true to say that when you and I can say, "The Lord is my shepherd." And someone once said that the gospel is summed up in the personal um, pronouns, "My shepherd, I shall not want." And as I was reflecting upon this in preparation for today, I was reminded how this phrase: "I shall not lack." Is a phrase that is repeated again and again in scripture. Way before Psalm 23 was written. Back in the time of Moses in Deuteronomy. As the people were now about to enter the land of Canaan. Here's the people that God has redeemed in Christ. As the um, angel of death passed over Egypt. Killing the firstborn in any household where there was not bloodshed, but then preserving the life of the Israelites, and indeed any Egyptian that had shed the blood on uh, the blood of the Lamb, and put it uh, on their doorposts. And here's what the Lord says to them, after they had wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, and now about to enter Canaan. Deuteronomy 2 verse 7. Through Moses, these 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. You have lacked nothing. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 9. Uh, Having looked back in Deuteronomy chapter 2 to the 40 years of wilderness wanderings and where there was a lack of food and water naturally, Where there were wild animals that were in danger of attacking and destroying. And having said, You lacked nothing then, now in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 9, Moses looks forward and he says, As you go into this land, even as when you were in the wilderness, the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, a land of wheat and barley. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. A land in which you shall lack nothing. You shall not lack. You who believe in the Lord Jesus, you shall not lack in the wilderness. You shall not lack in the land of Canaan. And then Nehemiah. Of course, towards the end of the Old Testament era, in that time when the people have been brought back from their captivity because of their rebellion against the Lord. And now they're in the land again. Nehemiah 9 verse 21, we read, 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. It's part of a prayer now. That the spiritual leaders are offering as they plead for God's blessing in the future. They say, we are a people who can look back on life. We can look back to our ancestors. We can look back over the centuries. And we can say, they lacked nothing. We lack nothing. And so this morning, taking verse 1 of Psalm 23 as the key to the psalm that unlocks it, um, we want to to look at this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. I shall not lack. Now there is debate amongst biblical scholars uh, as to Whether the theme of the shepherd and the sheep runs throughout the psalm, or is there a development uh, from the shepherd uh, to the guide to the host by the end of the psalm? Um, I'm inclined to think that there is that development. I think, as I was saying later, that there is an increasing intimacy as this psalm progresses. Uh, and as it is written and as it is experienced so let's think then about this theme this morning the Lord my shepherd I shall not lack and I believe in verses 2 to 6 the psalmist uh, speaks of five things that he, that you and I that God's people will not lack when we can say, the Lord Jesus, my shepherd. I want to note these five things very briefly. Uh, and they're printed on the order of service on the rear side. We shall not lack covenant guardianship. I put in that word covenant because I want us to realize that the shepherd and the sheep That the guide and the traveller, that the host and his guest, are not just loosely associated with each other. They are bound together in an unbreakable relationship, which the Bible calls a covenant. Jesus talked in John chapter 10 that sooner than allow anything happen to the sheep, the shepherd will lay down his life. You see, such is his commitment. Such is his relationship with the sheep. This is not a casual relationship, like someone that's just hired from the marketplace to look after the sheep for a day. That harling, when the sheep are in danger, he will abandon them. Because his well being is more important than the sheep's well being. But for the shepherd, for the Lord Jesus, your well being and my well being, it's as important to him as his own well being. And so that's why I put in this word covenant here. If you don't like it, drop it out. Uh, but keep the thought in your mind I shall not lack. We shall not lack guardianship. Now that's a bit of an unusual word. Uh, but what do I mean? Well, a guardian. What is a guardian? A guardian is someone who has the legal right and the legal responsibility to take care of someone who can't take care of themselves. A guardian is someone who has the legal right and the legal responsibility to take care of someone who cannot take care of themselves. And so a child whose parents are dead has a guardian appointed. And they have the legal right and they have the legal responsibility to act as parents towards those orphans. And it is a marvellous truth of scripture that the Lord Jesus is your guardian. The Lord Jesus is my guardian. In eternity past, before the world was made, before man was created, before sin had happened, God entrusted to Christ the legal right And the legal responsibility to provide for his people. To take care of his people. To come into this world and take our bone and flesh. To live in this world under the law. And keep the law of God that we cannot keep. And then to take our place on the cross. Taking the whole judgment of God for sin upon himself. So that he cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then having died to rise again uh, and to return to heaven. And the scriptures teach us that in a real sense when Christ rose again from the dead we rose with him. When Christ descended into the heavens, we ascended into the heavens with him. When Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father, we sat down with him. You see, he is our covenant head. He's our covenant guardian. Legally bound and uh, to take care of us for we cannot take care of ourselves now the psalmist puts this in very ordinary down to earth language but he's stating he's illustrating rather what I've been stating he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters the shepherd and the sheep the shepherd day by day leads the sheep into green pastures where they can feed. The shepherd day by day leads them beside the still waters. The waters that are not fast flowing. Because if they are fast flowing, sheep will not drink from them. And so they are quiet waters. Uh, and there the sheep are provided for uh, in all of their need. Because sheep cannot take care of Of themselves. And so the Lord Jesus. What does he do for you and me. As our covenant guardian. Well he provides for you and me. In the daily necessities of life. You and I need food to eat. We need liquid to keep our bodies alive. And it's the Lord Jesus Who gives us our daily bread as he taught his disciples. And more than that, he gives us the strength and the ability to do whatever it is that we need to do. You see, he's charged with caring for us. And he knows how to care for his people in the daily necessities of life. So this morning if you can say Jesus is my shepherd you can say today and you can look back as Israel looked back over the 10 years or 20 years or 50 years or 70 years of your life and you can say I shall not lack covenant guardianship. I shall not lack one who leads me into green pastures, who makes me lie down beside the still waters. But then secondly, when we can say the Lord my shepherd, I shall not lack then covenant leadership. Covenant leadership. And I believe that's the thrust of verse 3. Like sheep, You and I are prone to stray from Jesus as we are talking uh, to the boys and girls. And often we peel off from him. And we do that to follow our own sinful desires. Here's something I want to do. Here's something I want to have. Here's something I want to be. It doesn't matter for a moment whether Christ wants us to have it. Or Christ wants me to be this. And we stubbornly follow our own way and we stray as we were singing there in the, Psalms, in the psalm. Now at other times it's not that we stray, but what do we do? We lie behind the shepherd. We don't keep close to Jesus We neglect the means of grace. We were singing earlier about his ordinances. That's another word for the means of grace. It means the Bible. It means prayer. Here's how God feeds our souls in Christ. Through the word. Through prayer. But what do we do? Well, I'm too busy today. Or we say, I'll do it later. And later never comes. Because we get caught up in the bustle and the round of life. And what have we done? We haven't kept close to the shepherd, to Jesus. And even when we do not stray, and even when we do keep close to Jesus, There are sins that we still commit day by day. And so verse 3 then becomes important. He restores my soul. And the basic verb here is the verb that means to repent and to turn around. So it's what he did for us in that moment that only he knows when we were born again and saved. And it's what he does for us every day. As we confess our sin, he restores my soul. As we open the scriptures, he restores my soul. As I come to him in prayer, he restores my soul. And then he leads me. He guides me. In paths of righteousness. You see, the shepherd will never lead us in wrong paths. The shepherd will never lead us into sin. That's why Christians who say they have a word from God that contradicts scripture, you can say to them categorically and without fear of being wrong, no, it's not from God. Because the shepherd will not lead us in paths against the word. He leads us in paths of righteousness. He restores my soul from spiritual deadness, from backsliding, from barrenness, from following at a distance. Restores my soul from those sins that I commit day by day. Jesus is my covenant leader. And as your covenant leader, you shall not lack. When Jesus is your shepherd, then as your covenant leader, you will not lack any good from him. We're not to make ourselves our leaders we're not to make others our leaders only Christ but then let's notice thirdly this morning the lord my shepherd i shall not lack covenant companionship covenant companionship life can be a lonely experience Yes, even when we're amidst other people. There are times that people are in a crowd and they're putting on a brave face, but they are exceedingly lonely in their hearts because they've lost companionship. They've lost a spouse through death or they've lost a close friend through death. Or something else has taken them away from, from those that they have looked to and uh, enjoyed, rightly, companionship with. But look at what the psalmist says here. You are with me. You are with me. See, the psalmist whether he's in a crowd and feeling lonely in his heart, or whether he's out on the hills with the sheep and there's not another soul around him, he says, I shall not lack covenant companionship. You, Lord Jesus, you are with me. With me when things are going well. And so we must give him praise with me when things are going badly from our perspective. When things are hard and so we're to trust him. Look at what he says about, he he focuses particularly on this covenant companionship in the midst of difficulties. And have you not experienced it? Have you not experienced it? You're brought into some trial, some difficulty, and you have a real sense that he is with you in the midst of it. The psalmist, I think, paints it in the most extreme situation when he says, and he's speaking of that situation, that he knows that we will be absolutely on our own. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Another human being will not be able to accompany you or me in the shadow of death. Even if we're dying as part of a crowd, we die alone as human beings. But the Christian does not die alone. You are with me. I will have covenant companionship, the kind that no other human being can give. I will have the kind of support that not even a minister or the most mature Christian that I look up to can give. Because they can't always be with me. John Newton wrote, of the many dangers, toils and snares that the Lord's people Pass through. There's the remaining sin that's within us. What a snare that is! There's a subtle world, of the beguiling world around us that wants to shape us into its way of thinking and its way of living and its way of acting. What a snare that is to some Christians. And like Demas, they forsake Christ for this world. And then there is that great enemy of our souls, Satan, and how many snares he lays for us in the journey of life. There are many dark valleys for the Christian, dark valleys of doubt. There can be the dark valley of sickness, the dark valley of anxiety. The dark valley of uncertainty. What is going to happen in my job? What's going to happen to my loved one? What's going to happen in my life? And sooner or later, there's the dark valley of death. That last great enemy. Notice the last great enemy. Look at what the psalmist says about all these valleys. From the least to the greatest death itself because you are with me look at what he says I will fear no evil he will fear no evil in other words this dark valley whatever it is It's not going to undo me spiritually. That's what he means. By I will fear no evil. It's not going to undo me spiritually. It can't undo me spiritually. If I'm looking to the shepherd. And if the shepherd is with me. And notice how the psalmist explains this a little bit further. Because he talks about the shepherd um, having Two tools of his trade. The rod and the staff. The rod was a kind of club. The wild animal came to attack the sheep. And the shepherd reached for his club. And he used his club. With all his force. To kill or or if not to kill. To drive back and to chase away the mauling wolf. Or lion. And you and I. When we are in those dark valleys. Is it not true that the enemy Satan comes. And he tries to make the most of them. And he tries to get us. When we are at our weakest. And we need to fear no evil. Not even the evil one himself. Because our shepherd has a rod, uh, has a club in his hand that he uses and he will use against the devil to drive him back and to keep him from undoing you and me and us in the dark valleys. As if that were not enough the psalmist then talks about the staff the shepherd's crook and it's a very different purpose the shepherd at times will use it himself to support himself but he also uses it for the sheep here's a sheep and it's weak and it's delicate on its feet as we would say it's poor on its feet sometimes you'll get an older person and say I'm not great on my feet well when we're not great on our Christian feet what does the shepherd do he reaches down with a staff and he hooks it underneath to hold us up to hold us up and to keep us going And you see, there's protection, the club or the rod, and there's support with the staff that the Lord has in his hand. And so, if you're going through a dark valley today, I say to you, you shall not lack, for he is with you with you and you do not need to fear being undone by this experience but then let's move on and see fourthly. I shall not lack covenant guardianship I shall not lack covenant leadership I shall not lack covenant companionship and I shall not lack covenant fellowship fellowship Verse 5 is where we're at now. And the picture David paints of his relationship with the Lord Jesus, I believe, becomes increasingly intimate and personal as the psalm progresses. Verse 5, he speaks of the Lord setting a table before him. Now, in the east, the greatest honour that could be bestowed upon you is to be invited into someone's home for a meal. To give someone hospitality. Uh, And we see that again and again in Scripture. And that's why Scripture emphasises hospitality within the Christian church, within the family of God. And so now in verse 5, the psalmist says, You prepare a table before me. You're a host to me, and I'm your guest. And yes, my enemies, they're all around me. In fact, we might even say they're glaring. This table's prepared in the presence, under the glare of the enemy. And yet the enemy can't touch because of the shepherd, because of the host. And in the context of this um, um, setting in the, in, um, at the table, then there's the anointing with head, of the head with oil, a symbol of joy. And then the cup overflowing is the idea of abundance. And what's he enjoying? Well in the East when you took somebody into your home. You wanted to have fellowship with them. And so the psalmist is saying here. Whatever happens in life. Whatever journey I have to take. You prepare a table before me. Every day I can know. I can enjoy covenant fellowship every day Lord Jesus you set a table out before me and there's lots of good things on that table and every day you renew my joy and every day you cause my life to overflow what a wonderful experience what an intimate experience this man is having Of the Lord Jesus. Fellowship. And that's what you and I have each day with the Lord Jesus. As we come to Him in the Word and prayer, and as we seek to bring our thoughts captive to Christ as we go about our daily tasks, and it's not a question of when I've had my quiet time well that's that done and dusted for the day and I can get on with my round of activity now. No, we seek to carry with us the things that we've, we've blamed in the word, the things that he's, he's said before us that morning and I find myself needing to stop at times and actively remind myself what I've read so that I'm partaking of the table that has been furnished for me that day. And so that my cup is overflowing throughout the day, and that I'm enjoying covenant fellowship, not just when, to use the phrase of the period, I'm in the closet, alone with God, but I'm enjoying fellowship as I go about my daily life, my daily tasks. And then finally, I shall not lack. When the Lord is my shepherd, when the Lord is your shepherd we shall not lack covenant citizenship citizenship and Paul picks up on this in Philippians chapter 3 when he says our citizenship is in heaven it's quite remarkable Uh, and I'm more and more staggered uh, as I read the scriptures how much the apostles they just took the Old Testament and they They knew it, it was part of the fabric of their being and they applied it in the New Testament setting. In a sense, there's almost a sense in which there's nothing new in the New Testament. The Old Testament understood, expounded and applied in a New Testament context. And so, citizenship, covenant citizenship, it's here in verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. What's better than eating at someone's table? Well, there's only one thing better, isn't there? That person saying, stay. Take up residence. Live here. Being invited to reside in someone's house, that's a stage better. And it's the ultimate evidence of belonging Yes, we will provide a meal at times for people, and we'll never see them again. But if we say to somebody, come in and stay in our home, then we're saying we want you to belong. You belong here. And citizenship is the whole idea of belonging. Citizenship of the United Kingdom means that you belong. You're a resident Sorry, a resident of the United Kingdom. And nobody can put you out. When parents get older, sometimes they will go to live with their son or daughter. They belong to the family, you see. And you and I, who know Jesus as our shepherd, we belong. We belong. We are citizens. Not of the United Kingdom first and foremost. But as someone said to me last weekend, and I thought this was lovely, he was telling me about how when he goes to the States and people emphasize their citizenship, and he said, I am a citizen of the United Kingdom of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, And I thought that was a, a nice way of putting it. We are citizens of the United Kingdom of God. Kingdom that is without beginning and without end. We are citizens in God's house now. This is God's house now. The church. We are citizens now. We belong to the church militant on earth. That's the church going forward. And the church taking and Fighting the battles of the Lord. And then we are travelling to the church triumphant in heaven. Where the victory has been won. And the church is gathered. And God's people are all together in his presence. And as we journey as citizens, look at what we're promised. Look at what we're assured of. Goodness and love. It's too weak. It's goodness and mercy. It's this word, yes it again. Goodness and loving kindness, goodness, and covenant love is literally what it is, is provided. And look at how they pursue us all the days of our lives. Today, what will you as a citizen of the kingdom of God enjoy? You will enjoy his goodness And you will enjoy his covenant love. Those are the marks, the privileges of citizenship. The passport, if you want to put it like that, of citizenship. And we have them not just today, but you have it tomorrow. And the next day and next week. And next year, goodness and mercy to length of death. What a glorious, glorious psalm. Jesus is our shepherd. And if he's not your shepherd this morning, if you cannot say, Jesus is my shepherd. Then this morning we urge you to go to him as a lost sheep to confess your sin, to trust in him and to follow him, to hear his voice and to follow him in repentance and faith. And then together we can say, we shall not lack covenant guardianship, covenant leadership, covenant companionship, covenant fellowship. Our covenant citizenship. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord God, for your Son, the Lord Jesus, our covenant head, our covenant Lord, the one in whom we are saved, the one through whom we have all of these blessings. Help us to live day by day as those who are in covenant with you through Christ. Help us to know day by day that you will lead us into the green pastures, that you will make us lie down beside the still waters. Help us to know day by day that leadership that restores our soul and that makes us walk in paths that are right. Help us day by day to know that you are with us. Whatever the dark valley, large or small, short term or long term, that we are passing through, help us to have and to enjoy your covenant fellowship. Day by day to sit at your table. Day by day to have our heads anointed. Day by day to have our cup overflowing. And help us as citizens of the kingdom of God to know that we belong to the house of God here on earth but more significantly the house of God that is in heaven itself that house of many mansions that Christ has gone to prepare for his people. Thank you today for our great shepherd of the sheep the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.